Hello and welcome to The Food Podcast, a show where personal stories are shared through the lens of food, and specifically today through the lens of panic, the kind that comes when things go wrong while making very special cakes. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. We'll begin this story in the 1970s in the ranch-style Mississippi home I lived for a time with my parents and sisters. It's after lunch, it's nap time, and I don't like nap time. My mother snuffs out afternoon sun with one swift pull of the blinds. They are tall, taller than her, and cover the sliding glass doors leading to the stone patio outside. I want to sneak out quietly and search for the lizards that live in the bushes on the edge of the patio. Or tiptoe around the house and get my banana board I keep in the garage. I want to take it up the hill, past the Sodomeister's house, our neighbors who have a pinball machine, and sit on the board, hold on to the tip in the front, and fly down the smooth road straight into our driveway. There are curbs along the edge of the road that bounce me back if I go off course. I love being the ball in this big, huge pinball machine. As soon as my mom falls asleep, I slip off the bed and quietly pad across the carpet, open the door, then run as fast as I can down the hall to join my sister on the living room sofa. She's older than me and is allowed to watch television during nap time. The sofa is gray and black and a little scratchy, so I slide my blanket under me and pull a silky corner up to my face. If I sit and suck my thumb quietly, we can watch Sesame Street before my mother wakes up. I like it, kind of, when the skit with the chef comes on. He wears a tall, puffy white hat, white pants and a white jacket and stands on the top of the stairs with two big cakes in his hand. I can hear Kermit the Frog's voice saying, two wedding cakes. Kermit is teaching us how to count, but I'm not counting. I'm nervous and I'm excited. Even though I know what's going to happen, the chef tries to walk down the stairs with his cakes, but he falls and the cakes fall too and smush all over him. It happens every time. I hide under my blanket. It's the only thing that makes me feel better. That scene is still with me. I don't know why. I like to think of myself as a person who is somewhat calm under pressure, who can handle stressful situations, who might even invite a stressful situation by flying down a road while sitting on a skateboard. But clearly... That desire to hide under a silky blanket is still lingering in me and has throughout my adult life. I talked about that Sesame Street episode in another podcast, episode 30, with Marianne Pfeiffer, a Norwegian content producer for film and photography, and the owner of a publishing house and a brilliant food stylist and maker of the most colorful, delightful, fantastical, towering tall cakes. I had forgotten this disastrous Sesame Street moment was a repeat story. The memory must be dramatic because it's been carved on my body. 
And here I am telling it twice on my podcast. Maybe cakes hold this weight for me because they are made for celebrations that hold weight, like birthdays and weddings and anniversaries and other big events. They're ceremonious, they're filled with splendor, and they're intricate, and they take time. Ruining a cake could mean disaster and disappointing someone. I think that's what stresses me out, disappointing someone. So I reach out again to Marianne, a particularly cool person in every way, and ask her if she has ever had a cake disaster, and if so, how did she cope? I should say before we jump in that if you'd like to hear Marianne's full story of her creative life as an artist, a food stylist, and cookbook author in Oslo, I've linked our episode from 2019 in the show notes. That's where you'll discover that she never sells her cakes. They are sometimes gifts to people, or she brings them to events, as we'll hear, but she never sells them. Marianne says this is because she spends her working days at photo shoots with clients following their creative direction. No one can hold her back when she's making a cake. So she makes her cakes inspired by music videos and the outfits worn by the singer in the video. Picture a tall cake dotted with primary colors on the bottom and a creamy shag sweater on top. It's Robin's outfit in her Call Your Girlfriend video. So here we go with Marianne's cake story. It begins a few years after the 2011 terrorist attack by a Norwegian in Norway, where 77 people were killed. Eight of the deaths took place at the Parliament building in Oslo. This detail is important because Marianne says there was a freedom and innocence that existed in Oslo before the attack. And for Norway, this was out of the blue and so surreal. And we have very little crime and it, 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 it's still shocking for us. It was, yeah. And because of this event, we realized we had some severe uh, security issues because up till then, you could just park your car right behind behind the parliament building. Like, two meters away, you could just put the car there. And after this event, we realized, oh, crap, you could have a bomb in a car. And stuff can happen to the parliament. And that's not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they had, like, long reports. And while working on these reports, they just blocked off the entire center. And just, no, you can't, you can't park there. So when I later, from a few years later, was going to deliver a cake in the building behind the parliament building, I couldn't drive there. I had to, I have to go by there by foot. And uh, I, because I'm not a professional cake baker, I don't have a bakery. I'm not used to transport. Now, every time I'm going to transport, I have to figure out a new way of transporting. Maybe this is the time where everything is going to get easier and um so I bought a professional cake box for the first time. And I thought, this is, this is going to go so well because I'm going to carry it in the handle. And little did I know that, of course, the handle can't take the weight. Marianne was on her way to an event for influencers, a big party. She was growing her Instagram audience at the time. I think it was 2013-ish. And hoped that if she showed up with a fabulous cake, she might get some reach. 
The cake was tall, 50 centimeters or 20 inches, and it involved palm leaves from three real palm plants that she had snipped apart. And it was duck egg egg blue, and it had gold leaves, and it had huge palm leaves on it. And I rounded the corner, and the handle tore, and the whole box just crashed to the ground. And the box opened. But the cake was lying on the side on the cardboard. (laughs) So I just froze for five seconds and did the whole, oh no, uh, moment. Uh, and then I just grabbed the, the cake with a box and I just flipped it right side up and and there was like palm leaves all over and it, the whole all the decorations had just flown off and I had like made this two meter radius of, of decorations and cake so I started like what can I sell, sell? What can be saved? What should I do? I'm just gonna okay. Let's start cleaning up. Let's not make a mess on the sidewalk. Let's clean up and see what can we do with the cake later on. Wow, so calm. What Marianne hasn't told us is how many hours she put into this cake. How many layers go into a 50 centimeter tall cake? She always layers her cakes with mousse, then wraps them in buttercream. How many eggs went into that Italian buttercream? And how much butter? It's these layers, effort, coupled with ingredients and the pressure of arrival that would weigh on me. And a sweaty panic of embarrassment as well. Like the time, the year after I got married, when I was hired as a food stylist to make chocolate nests for a live television breakfast show. Chocolate nests are made by dipping small balloons into warm chocolate and leaving them to set. When the chocolate has hardened, you gently pop the balloon and what's left is a chocolate bowl, ready to fill with something Eastery. I am carrying a box of chocolate nests down the fire escape of my apartment. It's the easiest way to our parked car. It's before dawn, still dark and quiet outside. The call time is 6 a.m. at the studio. My job is to arrive before the guest, a cookbook author who has just written a book on chocolate desserts. And I'm to set up everything so she can demo the recipe live on television. By the time the camera is rolling, I have all set out milk chocolate melted in a bowl over gently simmering water, a pile of small, blown-up balloons all about the size of a grapefruit, a cookie sheet lined with parchment to place the chocolate-dipped balloons on to cool, and finished nests filled with Eastery things. The host is wearing a canary yellow blazer and a white blouse. She can't believe how lucky she is to have chocolate nests for breakfast. The cookbook author is elderly and serious. She reminds me of Count Spatula, my junior high home economics teacher. She picks up a balloon by the knot and gives it to the host to dip into the melted chocolate. I'm watching from behind the camera. I want the guest to smile. She's holding a balloon. Balloons are fun. The host tries to lighten things up. She dips the balloon into the chocolate and places it on the tray. 
Then she gets into it. She dips another and then another. And just as she laughs a little at her ease in the fake kitchen, one of the balloons bursts and flies around in front of her like a helicopter trying to land. Chocolate swirls in a circle, splattering her yellow blazer again and again. The studio lights are warm. The chocolate has been simmering for a while. I feel sweat on the back of my knees, in my armpits, on my forehead. I think it's my fault. And what do I do? I turn and face the wall. Anyway. And while I'm cleaning up, I'm then looking up to the side of the sidewalk and then look into a restaurant with a it was a dinner party of 15 people just frozen. I think their fork went on their way to the mouth, like, <gasps> and all of them had like this face expression, like, oh my God, like all, they all felt so sad for me. And I thought, is that that bad? It's like, <laughs> why are you freaking out? I'm not freaking out. What are you freaking out? <laughs> and they were devastated. And it was this super super fancy restaurant like four courses and it was a panoramic window that was curved so they really had like 360 view of me just and this disastrous biblical cake seed in front of them and uh, i just nodded and hi and yeah and then just took the cake under my arm and just left and then i called my husband and said "Uh, i had a disaster could you drive home this is 45 minutes one way. Can you drive home, get, and then explain what a cake spatula was, what buttercream is. Thankfully, I'd kept leftover buttercream from the project and I had some decoration left. I was like, can you put together an emergency kit and also bring turntable? So he came and he, and then I had to run for five, of course, because he could still not drive there. So I had to run to the car, meet him, get all the stuff, get into the kitchen. And it wasn't a professional kitchen, but there was a lot of chefs there. Uh, it was just a place where you could plate all the deliveries. And there you're supposed to like put together this turntable and get this cake back on the... And the buttercream was cold. It was splitting on the cake. So it was like bleeding color. It, everything was bad. Even the chefs were like, I feel so bad for you. Why are you so calm? They were like, you're freakishly calm. I'm like, yeah, it's just some influencers and interior events. And it's not a wedding. If it was a wedding, I would have been crying. And that would be terrible. This was just, if I can't deliver it, it's fine. It's, it's just for an event. It's, yeah. Uh, but weddings, it, they, I just do it for very, very close friends and family. And every time, which is my heart is uh, because it just, you just have this one day and this one cake and it's just one moment and you can't mess it up. Marianne says she never travels without an emergency kit, ever. In this kit, she packs. I always bring a very light cake uh, turntable, like plastic one that is easy to transport. And then I have uh, all the equipment that I need, the basics. So the cake scraper and the spatula that I love. And then there's buttercream. Everything is at room temperature and ready to use. Very important. (laughs) And also 
if I have used um, a piping bag with some buttercream, then I also bring those. So maybe have two or three or four colors in different piping bags and then some decorations because often you get a small crack or something happens. And always when mine design, they're not minimalistic at all. So you can always add on a little bit extra. And if I uh, adjust after transport, it looks even better. There's always a point, Marianne says, at about 80% through a cake where she doesn't trust herself. And when I'm filming myself, I am smiling and I'm standing there and inside when I'm 80% done, I'm dying. I'm thinking, this is never going to work. This looks like, this looks terrible. And the technique doesn't work. The design doesn't work. Look at this. And then I push through because I'm like, ooh, there, we're there again. There you have it. 80% done. Ooh, hello. <laughs> and then I just have to trust myself, which I don't, because I, I doubt myself so much at that point. And you push through a very difficult time to like point to push through. And uh, every time I'm like, yeah, look at that. That was, I did it again. And I surprised myself every time when it's done. But the 80% is terrible. Trusting the arc of creation, from idea to execution, to dote, and through the finish line, that takes practice, and a lot of cakes, and a lot of buttercream. I see now that this is why that live television chocolate fiasco happened. I hadn't practiced enough. I should have made many nests with different balloons. You don't get better at things when you do them only once. A few years ago, during isolation, I decided to go wild and make a tall cake for my friend's birthday. Not a 50-centimeter tall cake, but three layers of vanilla cake filled with Swiss meringue buttercream and stewed rhubarb from the garden. I thought I could deliver it to her backyard and we could sing happy birthday and eat cake together at a distance. I decided on Swiss meringue buttercream, or SMB as the pros call it, because it was said to be good-tempered and not too sweet. I was going through the voice memos on my phone recently and came across this recording, dated May 28th, 2021. All right, we almost had a Swiss meringue buttercream disaster this afternoon, but thanks to Google, I saved it. We had a hybrid situation that was specific to my kitchen the so to make a swiss buttercream swiss meringue buttercream you heat egg whites with granulated sugar so not icing sugar and you just put it over like in a double boiler bain-marie situation and you melt the sugar over like just simmering water and you put your hands in it and just like touch that eggy whitey sugary mixture and like initially you'll feel the granules of sugar and eventually they'll melt away so just keep touching to see what the texture is and when it's nice and smooth like a syrup take it off the heat and then you whip those whites that already have melted sugar in them until they're stiff and glossy and then 
you slowly, slowly add butter. This is where things went wrong for me. I don't know, maybe my butter was too cold, even though it was 24 hours at room temperature, or perhaps the egg whites were too warm. We had warm and cold going on, and the whole thing curdled and looked Oh, just kind of disgusting. Kind of like when you whip whipped cream too long and it turns to butter and then it turns into like separated butter, a little bit of whey going on. But I learned that if you just take that whole mixing bowl and put it back on a pot of sim- simmering water back in the Bamari double boiler um, scenario and melt it just a little bit and whip it again. It'll be glossy and gorgeous, and all will be well. That's where we are. Hallelujah. I have no idea why I recorded that disaster. Maybe it was a pandemic moment of proof of life. I don't know, but it is evidence that you can push through at the 80% point. Just push through. Marianne prefers an Italian meringue buttercream. In other words, she prefers IMB to the SMB. It's a little bit different, the two, but it, both of them are based on heating up the, the sugar in some way and melting the sugar in some way. So in Swiss meringue, you're heating up the egg white and uh, the sugar over, oh, it's a fancy English French word for this. Bamarie. Yes, yes. Vongbad in the which <laughs> not so romantic. <laughs> uh, but with Italian meringue, you're heating up the sugar and water up to a certain uh, degree, and then you're adding that to egg white while they're whisk. But both of them are giving a very st- stable buttercream that is easier to work with and also a little lighter and less sweet than the American. Uh, and it's everyone's preference. And I like the Italian. The Italian might be a little fiddly in the beginning, but I think it's uh, I think it's easy. And uh, after doing it a couple of times, you get the hang of it. And then you have a very good buttercream to work with. Mm. And if it breaks? You just have to whisk the hell out of it. You just have to get it back to room temperature and you just whisk it until it gets together again. And it can take 20 minutes, but suddenly it's there. These details are important because it's the IMB that holds Marianne's tall cakes together. As we talked about her cakes over the years, the cakes she makes to push her boundaries in the kitchen, to test and to bring wild ideas to life, I realize she's not only an artist, but also an engineer and a chemist. Every time she makes a cake, she's pushing the boundaries of these fields of study. And if things go awry, like the cake is too tall, or the fillings, which are always made of generous amounts of mousse, threaten to slip and slide the layers around, it's the buttercream that holds everything together. You need the strength of the buttercream around it. And as long as the buttercream is stiff and is cold, it keeps the strength. But I'm really pushing gravity, and it's an engineer. And sometimes I, I suddenly add one layer too much, and I see that I pushed it too far. So I have to take off a layer and then strengthen, strengthen it back up. And often you could also you have these metal bands, so you can 
add buttercream on the outside and then you can cover it in a baking sheet and then you just put this band on the outside and you put it in the fridge and then the whole the buttercream would strengthen and and hold the whole so chilling 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 while you're working always chilling in between each layer and not stressing so you need to spend like you need to have 40 minutes in between working with it when it's too warm and it's too loose that's going to give you so much trouble I picture buttercream pulling in a tall, wobbly cake and holding it in place, just like the Spanx I wore under a fitted dress last week. I was hosting a party, and I was pushing gravity in that dress, and snapping myself into the Spanx was an exercise in almost one layer too many. But I was patient, and it worked. We need support, and we need time. And we need ingredients and vision and execution and more time and space in the fridge for chilling and space and ingenuity for transport and emergency toolkit and someone to help. And and my husband, I love him so much. I think it's, it's the sweetest moments. And I really see his love for me when he drives and we have a cake in the back of the car. I keep forgetting and I can drive a little rough. And he has like, oh, it, it's... Um, it's so beautiful <laughs> oh it's floating and it's going through bumps and he's sweating when we're hitting gravel road and he's going through all the emotions and and it's even more romantic than when he he asked me to marry him it's just it's his his respect for my cakes is just, and my work uh, it's so romantic <laughs> and as marianne says when you assume something will go wrong and you prepare for that and it doesn't go wrong. Well, that's just a joyful surprise. Under promise and over deliver. It can be a great motto. But the challenge with creative people who push themselves to new heights, when the heights are reached, they need to move on. Marianne and her husband recently bought a Sicilian palazzo. It needs work, lots of work, but the beautiful bones are there. Frescoes on the ceiling, original tiles on the floor, gorgeous light, and tons of character. She describes this new venture to me the same way she describes making her cakes. And that's my problem, is that as soon as I'm really good at something, I quit. So this is, so now I push my boundaries with the cake so much that suddenly I bought the house in Sicily, because I know the cake so well. And I was like, now I don't have disasters when I'm transporting it. I don't have the huge disasters. I'm not getting the general kicks. So now I bought a huge disaster of a, of a house instead <laughs> in a country where I don't know the language. It's like, it's a very bad idea to do. It's, like, <laughs> it's very stupid. <laughs> so we bought it. I said, this is the most genius, the most stupid thing we ever done. We just have to wait and see. If we're going to ruin us or if it's going to make us. She's at the 80% point in a series of many 80% points of this project. But I know she'll push through. And I'm, uh, I'm not afraid of whatsoever, but I'm not holding back. I'm just, I have this one life and I'm very eager to live it. I think I'm going to continue with the tall cakes for 
almost ever, always, but I see that um, uh, the, the renovating 600 square meters in Sicily will take some time and some energy. <laughs> so maybe there will be less, but there will still be tall cakes always. <laughs> How did it go with the 50 centimeter tall duck egg blue cake decorated with gold leaf and palms? I served it and they thought it was the most amazing cake they've ever seen. I was like, okay. <laughs> yes. I have more cake disaster stories. So this is part one of a two-part series on cake disasters. Tune in next time when Australian wedding cake maker Gillian Bell shares her cake disaster story. And in the meantime... I wonder, whatever happened to the actor on Sesame Street who continually fell down the stairs while holding cakes? Did he ever break a bone in the name of teaching us how to count? Does anyone know? Marianne, thank you for sharing your cake disaster story with us. You've taught us to practice, be brave, go for it, don't panic, take your time, carry an emergency kit, and to love your support team. This series is edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme song, One More Night, is by Nova Scotia singer-songwriter Jen Grant. Please rate and review The Food Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and consider signing up for my newsletter. It's called Food Stories. The link is in the show notes, or you can head to lindsaycameronwilson.substack.com. Please share your cake disaster stories with me over on Substack or on Instagram at The Food Podcast. We could even make a cake disaster cookbook. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. Wilson.